American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past, as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and we would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and contact information, or just email us at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters Podcast. This is Christopher, and I'm here with Tom. Howdy! How you been, Tom? Good, how are you? Doing fine, doing fine. We're recording right before San Diego Comic-Con starts, so no news. Maybe next time we'll have some stuff coming out, some trailers and news about some upcoming stuff, but for now, not much going on in the whole geek world, except... Speaking of Comic Cons, yes, I think I need to mention Cincinnati Comic Expo. Starting to feel a little like a San Diego Comic Con. Yes, exactly. Uh, they had just announced another uh, celebrity guest, Academy Award winner Richard Dreyfus, is going to come to the Cincinnati Comic Expo. I know, right? This is freaking insane. I, the number of celebrities and the number of of the actual like featured comic uh, guests and everything are almost equal. I mean, this is enormous. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I mean, I don't know where they're putting them all. Me either. This is still, as far as I know, still going to be down at the Cincinnati Convention Center. They're going to be sitting on top of each other. I don't. I know there's always a little bit more room at the venue than the Comic Expo usually takes up but i think they're going to actually need the entirety of the convention center for that yeah they may be truly like expanding like multiple floors they usually have like the panel rooms on the second floor and that's kind of about it and i think there may be there can be people in the hallways or something (laughs) they're gonna have to go somewhere because this is a lot of people i know they're not going to be there all at the same time necessarily but for the most part they will yeah, just to, uh, just to name a few that we may or may not have mentioned before. Adrian Barbeau yes. is going to be there, it, just on the celebrity front. Uh, Christina Ritchie is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Glover, Kevin Conroy, uh, Lauren Lester. Oh, since the last time we talked, Logan Kim and McKenna Grace yep. are going to be there, uh, both from the, like uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Well, McKenna Grace has been front in, a, in a ton of things. She's an amazing talent. Yes. Uh, who we have? Paul Williams, we've mentioned before. Uh, of course, William Shatner. William Shatner. Yeah, Tom Arnold. Tom, <laughs> you know I'm just going just for him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we've got a long list of uh, the comic creators and everything, both classic and modern. Uh, I'll have notes, or I'll have links in the show notes for to the the Comic Expo page, so you can go and check everybody out. It's just. It's just amazing. I'm, I'm thinking there's got to be a, a dozen or to dozen and a half names on both pages. Well, and you have to go look at them on their Facebook because uh, they're not even keeping up with all of it on the website. No, exactly. Hey, and that's and that isn't including like all the vendors and some of the mo- the smaller uh, publishers and stuff that are going to come. I, this is it's going to be insane. Well, and you didn't even get into voice actors. No. Well, I mentioned uh, Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester. Yep. So They'll probably have them together. <laughs> so you have Batman and Robin right there. There you go. <laughs> oh, and Adrian Barbeau. I mean, oh, it's yeah, Catwoman. Timony Christmas. Ah, I should... But <laughs> did she do any voices in Mask of the Bat uh, Phantasm? I don't remember. Um, I, I want to say no. Um, um, no, I don't think she was. No, no, that's a shame. No, I was going to say I could bring was... my Blu-ray... Yeah, she was uh, totally Catwoman. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, I can't I, wait. But I have my Blu-ray set of uh, the entire animated series. <laughs> oh, there you go. Might be worth paying for some autographs. It might be. <laughs> Depending on what they charge for the autographs. 
Yeah, but to get uh, three <laughs> three of those run me almost three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're blowballing there. Maybe. <laughs> Like I said, I'll have links in the show notes. Everyone can go and check out the list. Uh, If you're going to be anywhere in the tri-state area and you want to take a little drive into Cincinnati this September, I'd recommend it because it's looking uh, looking pretty awesome. Absolutely. Tickets aren't. You can get the advanced tickets right now if you want to go to the website. So, do it. Come join us. We need to talk strange new worlds. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life. And new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Uh, the last time we recorded, I don't think the final episode... We were waiting for that to come out, which would have been just this past, like, what, two two weeks? We It, it was right after it came out. It was released right after we recorded the last episode. I believe so. I believe so. So now the entire first season is done, said and done. I'll admit, <laughs> when this show was announced and it was, was coming up, I mean... We talked about it. I was, you know, cautiously optimistic was the phrase, I think. I was fully expecting this to be another one of these where everyone says it's great, and I watch it and go, eh, it was all right. Uh, It's not my thing. You know, a little bit. I was expecting another discovery. Yes, you've been in the dumps for Star Trek for a bit now. For a long time. Strange New Worlds truly made me excited to watch Star Trek every week. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I, I would dare say, and I'll just go all full fanboy. It, it's out Star Trek Star Trek. I mean, like... Wow, uh, you like, think? I like it better than the original series. <gasps> I think... Wow. The original series was always good for me. It was my entry, but uh, I was a next-gen guy. I really liked next-gen. This one is starting to rise to next-gen... Only uh, uh, the only reason it's not gonna surpass is it's only one season and there's ruin there's room to ruin it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. There's always there's always the third season of TOS to remember. There's always the first season of Next Gen to <laughs> to remember. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And, and see, that's that's where I'm a little nervous because mm-hmm. look, TNG was not great out of the gate. I mean, it, it, it was lucky to survive in the second season. Yeah. Second season, if they hadn't bothered with Pulaski at all, uh, it w- would have been passable at least. Um, but third season, obviously, that's when they hit, they hit all cylinders and they set, okay, this is what Star Trek was always supposed to be, now and forevermore. Mm-hmm. Um, Strange New Worlds did a third season TNG in the first season, and that's that's not that's making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand because it it could go downhill real quick, and I, uh, fingers crossed. I, I certainly hope it doesn't. No, I, I absolutely. I hope, uh, and they they knew they were making second season before they even put first season out. Yeah, I think I remember. Didn't wasn't that it was renewed for a second season before that? Yeah, but yeah, before it actually premiered, they, they hadn't even gotten it out. They hadn't gotten it to their own streaming service yet, and it was already producing second season. So yeah, um, I mean, kudos to you for having <laughs> because this means they get to release the second season sooner. Uh, like you, keep strike while the iron's hot, kind of thing. But again. Yeah makes me nervous because are you rushing it are you going to do you think you did so well that now you're going to coast right i i hope not i i have high hopes now yes yes but Uh, i don't want you to have so high hopes that it goes the other way (laughs) yeah a fair warning i think that we we may talk about some characters in some episodes and there may be some spoilers sure. so if you've not watched strange new worlds um you don't want any kind of spoilers or anything just fair warning skip ahead uh 
10, 15 minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking, and to jump kind of to the end, you're talking about how little worried about where the second season could go. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that the the uh, finale of the first season, while the episode as a whole I thought w- was good, yeah, I think the sort of the quote-unquote cliffhanger was re- was really that's how you're going to start the next season <laughs> there is that and then there there's also we've introduced kirk and it's already been alluded to that that will come up more yeah and, and it's honestly i find that to be a terrible kirk yeah no he doesn't have quite have uh, quite the gravitas that uh, william shatner had um, no but forgiving all of that, I I don't want this to be about Kirk. No, absolutely not. No, I mean, I'm watching this for Pike. We're watching it for Pike, and we we've got a timeline for when for when Kirk would would have normally entered the picture. So let's just deal with that for now. Um, right. I don't yeah, need if... to build the Kirk uh, Spock relationship. I like this. Let's mm-hmm. stick with this, and I, I really am worried that they're going to keep trying to nudge that back in here, or, God forbid, try to remake TOS. Well, that's where I am a little worried, is the idea that they're introducing him with the idea, like, okay, we can go a couple years, a few years with Pike, and then maybe we can do Kirk, and then we can start the whole thing over again. Yeah, that is a, a really bad idea. It it is. I mean, you have a really nice thing going here, and that would be the the wrong way to take this material. I would like to see this show go as long as it can. You know, maybe it gets four or five years, whatever, longer if if it can, if it can actually hold up. And I think the finale should be Pike handing the command of the Enterprise over to Kirk. And then saying something along the lines of like, I imagine you're going to have some amazing adventures or something like that. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a really great acknowledgement of TOS and a nice way to tie it together. And it would. It would be amazing. And now that uh, Pike has a little foreshadowing into the, relation, the, the potential relationship of Kirk and Spock, he, he could tease that a bit. I'd be okay with that, but mm-hmm. but since we've seen at least an alternate timeline, and he's aware of that alternate timeline, um, he can have a little fun with that. But right now, you still get to go, Kirk and Spock have not met each other. So you can have some fun with that later. But right. uh, please don't dwell on this a lot during the second, third, fourth, seventh season for all I care. Don't, 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 don't. There's right. way too much good stuff you can do here. Maybe think about the casting of Kirk. You might want to find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, especially given that you now have to let how seven years pass for this to, to happen. Exactly. He may he may look different. For since we're already into the end, I, I did like since they've introduced um, Sam Kirk, and that's his brother. I love the dynamic though about uh, trying to get a read on who Jim Kirk is from Sam. That was awesome. Yes. Yeah, that was really cool. That was clever. Um, the rest of the casting. I'll admit, when it started, someone was kind of like, I don't really see how they become them. But this show has managed to kind of be its own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed me to, like, see and view it in, like, a bubble. I don't see it as, like, uh, Jess Bush uh, as Christine Chapel. No way in hell does she become the Nurse Chapel of TOS. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think you're supposed to. I mean, uh, well, first off, you, you can't. You're, you're not. You're not going to have one actor grow to, and set them on a path to look like the other character. And 
certain characters like Nurse Chapel, they didn't get a whole lot to do to begin with, so you can make up some of that. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm good with retconning as long as you do it well. And so far, this is doing it very well. Yeah, uh, I'm actually enjoying the the young cadet Uhura. Oh yeah, you know, no, love her to death. Find, finding her place, and you know, uh, looking like she's finally finally chosen the direction to communication, which of course we know that's where she was going to head up. But I like her. Uh, going through and her relationship with um, with the engineer um, was it Hemmer? Hemmer, yes. Speaking of spoilers, kind of gutted that we lost that character. Oh, absolutely! I loved him. I I, hate, I, I actually kind of mourned that we didn't get as much of him as I would have liked to have seen because yeah, he was so cool. Very disappointing interesting character i mean a blind engineer mm-hmm. although i guess that's a little uh tng a little bit right but you know but his his senses make up for the lack of a sight and portrayed by an actor that's legally blind right i mean that was very cool no that I, I, everything I, there was everything about that character that i absolutely love so yes when we got to the uh what was that the uh, well, I guess that, that was the second to last episode. Second to the last, yeah, the so, ultimate episode. Um, which, which in and of itself was... Um, Alien? <laughs> it, it, it was, but but the way that they did it, well, one, that, that was a slightly different avenue for most Star Trek episodes. I mean, sure. I mean, Star Trek has had a quote-unquote scary things happen in there, um, but... I love that the, we've kind of teased the Gorn throughout mm-hmm. and without taking too much away from the only other Gorn source we have ever had, which was the, that silly battle in the episode Arena from um, TOS. We saw him briefly in Enterprise. I oh, think. yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a very... I, I almost forget that one. Um, yeah. But using that as kind of a groundwork reintroducing them obviously with much better effects and all that um, right and, and actually starting to put some some psychology to the species and and all that and then turning it in a flat-out horror episode on top of it it was bold but i liked it <laughs> uh the character is spock if it was the same Spock that we were introduced to in Discovery, I would absolutely hate this show. Mm-hmm. They have all, almost completely just thrown away everything that he was in Discovery oh. and started fresh, and he is fantastic in this. He's not only fantastic in this, but since you're talking about things that they've thrown away, <laughs> um, have you noticed, have you felt that... Strange New Worlds has pretty much thrown out everything that was introduced in Discovery. The ships, the ships don't look like they did in Discovery. There were all the various different kinds and they were all like, I don't know, they all look like Gillette razors and all that. They were all very mm. thin and all. Um, everything in Strange New Worlds looks like essentially a retcon of all of what would have been in TOS. They're all those various modular shapes, like it's it's a saucer section and we rearrange where the parts go. They're right. all gotcha. like that. <laughs> so and and they already kind of did the thing, which was in that second to last episode. Um the Constitution class, what the Enterprise mm-hmm. is, there's lots of them. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, which was totally what was it was like in TOS because well, one and they just they had the model and then we're going to use it. Right. So, but since that's the way it was, that's the way they continued. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any character that I just I'm enjoying. I think all of them. I'm a little disappointed. I think uh, I think you may have mentioned it in a previous recording about how they. Um, they just can't seem to let go of Khan. Right. And so they got to take one of the characters and make her, like, related. Right. And like, not necessary, but whatever. I, I, I've at least applauded that, okay, 
I don't know what the motivation was to... I, I, I think it was more about uh, taking number one, Una's character, and the fact that they were going to introduce her as the race that they did nothing but genetic manipulation. Right. Uh, which is why they're outcasts in the Federation, and you're not allowed to serve in Starfleet. I think this was supposed to kind of bridge, maybe, your understanding of what that is and why they would be. So, yeah, and then it would build tension in between Laan and Una. Mm-hmm. But I like that they're not beating us over the head with it. It, 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 got, it got handled like once in one episode and they let it go. Right. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah, and even her uh and uh and Una, if they had any conflict at all, they kind of like they worked it out in that first episode in that episode and okay, we're moving on. Oh, uh, in fact, I In fact, in fact they go and then do the uh Enterprise bingo together. I loved that episode so <laughs> much. Oh my god. Oh, and it was so Star Trek in that episode because we we had we had Katra swapping. Uh, we had we we had the crew all doing their own little thing in every little spot. Starbase One is absolutely amazing in this uh, in this. I like. I want to be all over that place all the time. Yeah. Uh, like I want to live there. Like right now. <laughs> and, and yeah, I just. Everything about that just felt like, and it wasn't even that. It was didn't even make it to mid season that we got that episode, and it was already this crew gelled so well together that everybody looked like they were just having an amazing time. I, I think <laughs> my favorite line, favorite moment, I think in that episode is uh, Spock and his fiance uh, to Pring. Yeah, to Pring. Uh, they've swapped Katras and they decide to come clean to Pike mm-hmm. and explain what happened. And, you know, now that you know, you can obviously, you know, tell by our, <laughs> by the way we <laughs> act. Our you, you tell that, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Anson Mount as Pike, I mean, he is quickly rocketing up to one of my favorite captains. And oh yeah. He, he is just, Again, only from lack of content is he just below Picard. <laughs> He's really good, and I've uh, I have uh, downloaded his uh, recipe for uh, leftover pasta. Oh, did you? Uh, what was it? Yeah, I've got that. I'm going to try that one of these days. Added the egg, a little bit of spices, boom, breakfast. Aside from, it's funny that you mentioned the cooking part because I saw like the funniest meme related to that. Because it made a direct equivalent between um, Pike and Riker. Because apparently, mm. uh, real men that get it on with space babes also cook. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. I was really looking forward to this, but it became an, an obsession. I, I had to see the next episode every week when it came out. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. Like I said, I, I've gone from eh, we'll see to oh I can't wait till the next episode mm-hmm. is out. Oh yeah. And that 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 says something it, like you said there has not been Star Trek for me in a long time. Right. Not one that I looked forward to, not one that I truly enjoyed. So for this one to suddenly kind of worm its way quickly into my heart. It, it was quite the feat. Well, I, I I love every character. I love how they've handled every character. Um, I love, I love, love, love the ship. Oh my god, I am in love with that ship. Uh, yeah, that's that you. I know it's too spacious. The exterior, the exterior has grown on me. I'm good with the exterior. The interior is still too big and shiny for my taste. <laughs> no. See, I, I think it, it doesn't work for me. It, it, I, for me, it, 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 it hits the right notes of that 60s feel, but modernizes it so that you would think, okay, this might be what we would do with a, with a ship like this. So, And then I so desperately want to play Enterprise Bingo. I really do. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention this. I thought this was really cool. Uh, it was pointed out to me by uh, Chris Cooling of the uh, Forgotten TV podcast. 
the character of Erica Ortegas yes. is an homage to a character that was developed in the original pitch to NBC from uh, Gene Roddenberry. He had uh, the navigator Jose Ortegas, who was a South American and a tall, handsome, 25, brilliant. Mm-hmm. So obviously the character is not the same as what we have in Stranger Worlds. But the fact that they gave her the, the last name, I thought that was kind of a neat little uh, tip of the hat, a nod to the uh, to Roddenberry and his original uh, idea of the show. No, that... Yeah, you literally shared that with me before we started the show, and uh, like that's that's awesome. But that again, it just shows the amount of love that they have put into this. I mean, for anyone that's out there that's watched any of this stuff, uh, again, that last episode of the season is meant to to literally parallel um, the episode "Balance of Terror" from. Yes. From the original series, and they lovingly took parts that were from that and inserted them directly into this with the spin on the alternate timeline because Pike is there, not Kirk. Yeah, but they still managed to work in. There's there's some lines that are directly lifted from the uh, from the original episode. Yeah, no, there are some folks that have literally sat the scenes side by side. They play out almost identically. Yeah, that was really cool. Oh, and oh my God, I'm watching that episode and the reveal of the uh, Romulan bridge, uh-huh. and the music kicks in. Oh yeah, the dun, original dun, dun. score. Ah, <laughs> oh, the goosebumps. original score. This is also the I believe the first time we get uh, Ethan Peck's. Spock's first eyebrow lift. Oh, yeah, because he does. He he does Leonard Nimoy's uh, right eyebrow lift, and he nails it. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. so cool. <laughs> I I actually probably missed that because I was so just agog at the fact that they used the original music. Yeah, no, I, I I was losing it on both fronts just for that because and they've effectively done that. I think we've mentioned before uh, when Spock has a, a dream sequence where he is literally living out Amok time uh, episode, and dun, 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 the, the fight dun, dun, music dun, dun, dun. is going on. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that could be what keeps this show going and enjoyable is the love that obviously they have for the source. Yes. They don't want to do it harm. No, they don't. Uh, and they're, they're, they're showing it. I, like I watched a thing on uh, even uh, knowing that props were going to have to be newer, more sophisticated, but they have to look like they lead into TOS. So tricorders that still look like tricorders, including the strap that they wear, uh, phasers. Yep. Uh, the phasers look awesome. The yes. phasers look amazing. Um, even though they've made the communicator a little more purposeful than just a flip phone, um, mm-hmm. they are still a flip phone. <laughs> they, they do that. And, and actually, I was even seeing the the the, the props themselves, the little, the old little uh, kind of weird uh, pattern that showed up on the wheel on the yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. It's like using an iPhone to do that. <laughs> so it, it, it's all very cool. They, they put a lot of love and effort into that. So yeah, it's digging everything. Because this is supposed to be Spock well before we get to TOS, I, I, I'm liking that there's, there's room for kind of a more of an adolescent version of, uh, of Spock. Uh, still having that fight that real fight between emotion and logic and Mm -hmm. breaking it down every once in a while so i I like how they're doing that yeah and they're actually kind of developing the idea of uh nurse chapel's uh affection towards Mm -hmm. spock and how it could you know we start seeing it sort of develop as just this sort of passing you know well well no but Maybe, yeah. 
even love that they, uh, somebody actually refers to it to like as the big maroon or whatever, but the uh, the uh, Star Trek movie version of the uniform in the final episode when Pike oh, visits right, Pike. Right. Right, we yep. Actually get the next Star Trek uniform now and they it was awesome. It was nice to see it. And besides that's one of my more favorite uniforms. It looks like a uniform. Yeah, the more military mm. uh style with the tunic and or not the tunic but the the, the, the coat, yeah. Yeah, and, well and they even reproduced uh, the the uh, Starfleet logo in, in the badge pin thing. Mm-hmm. That was very yeah. cool. Love yeah. it. No, so yeah, um, really enjoying Strange New Worlds. And uh, yeah, now we talked about it a little bit. I'm thinking I can't wait till second season. I, I may have to go back and watch first season all over again. <laughs> uh, and there are a few of the, uh, since I'm watching them with my son as well, um, I get to, I've watched at least every episode twice. Some of them, though, like while I was waiting for the second episode, I watched the first episode at least four times. Wow. All right. I'm definitely into it. I'm in deep trouble when merchandising really starts. Yeah. Yeah. This is another one of these. It's it's a situation where I'm sorry that models and toys have kind of fallen off the. uh, (laughs) Because kind kind of want them. Bite your tongue there. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably own way too much stuff that I won't have room for, but uh, it'll be a fun ride. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll, we'll leave this go. Uh, we don't want this episode to go too much longer. <laughs> We're going to take a break, listen to a promo for another podcast. When we get back, we are going to, what year was this? 1989, yeah. and we are going to go along with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I did that horribly. <laughs> In 1972, American TV networks canceled 12 TV shows for crimes they didn't commit. These shows were promptly forgotten by the public and faded into obscurity. Today, Chris Cooling researches these shows for a podcast. If there's a TV show that no one else remembers, and if you have earbuds, maybe you can listen to Forgotten TV. Now, a motion picture so grand so magnificent and so vast it spans 7,000 years no way yes way but it starts with Bill I'm Bill S. Preston who was Joan of Arc and Ted Noah's wife we're in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow a force from the future can we go anywhere we want at any time you can do anything you want is putting history at their fingertips let's reach out and touch someone they're traveling through time How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. How's it going, dude? And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Everybody get together, remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's Excellent! Excellent! Excellent adventure. Party on, dude. All right, despite terrible segues, yes, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989. Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, respectively, 
are to two high school losers who dream of being famous rock legends despite having no idea how to play their guitars. Ted's father, who happens to be the local police captain, has had enough of Ted's laziness and failing grades and threatens to send him off to military academy if he doesn't buckle down and pass his history exam, an exam that asks what historical figures would think of present-day San Dimas, California. From the far future, a future that enjoys everlasting peace due to it following the music and philosophy of the duo and their band, Wild Stallions! <laughs> Rufus, played by George Carlin, travels back in time on a machine shaped like a phone booth to present the two with an opportunity to travel in time to learn about the past. When a visit to Napoleonic France accidentally brings the real Napoleon to the present, the dudes get the idea to kidnap more figures from history and let them present their exam. Billy the Kid, Socrates, <laughs> Sigmund Freud, Ludwig von, Freud, Ludwig von Beethoven, uh, Noah's Noah's wife Joan, yep, <laughs> Kangas Khan and Abraham Lincoln are all nabbed, and the guys even have time to meet up with some bodacious babes from the 15th century. Medieval babes. Time isn't on their side when they dis when they discover that Napoleon, who was ditched by Ted's youngest brother, younger brother Deacon, has run off. While they look for him, the rest of the historical figures get arrested for creating nuisance of themselves at the local mall. The two dudes have to rescue everyone, get to school, pass their exam, and save the future. I think this was a film that no one thought was going to be anywhere near as popular as it ended up being. Oh, I... We're talking 1989, a budget of $10 million. It grossed $40 million. Back in 89, that's a hell of a, of a jump. That's a, that's a hit. That's a hit, yeah. <laughs> We just watched this with the family within the last year, I think. Yeah. Uh, kind of prepping for, uh, oh, I guess it was a little longer than that, because I think we watched it in preparation for uh, Face the Music, which we still have yet to get around to. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> a little foreshadowing. Perhaps. Uh, and it was, when we watched it then, it was the first time I had watched it in ooh, quite a long time. That's a fun film. I mean, it's it's a great movie. It is. It's just so much fun. And, and, and we can be realistic. It's stupid as hell. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but that's not the point. Uh, and, and this is where we can even get into... Um, chemistry is important. It, it absolutely is. If, if the, the actor's don't really take on the role and if the they don't gel with the their co-actors it doesn't work and bill and ted they were the same guy more or less i mean that you couldn't have one without the other i mean i'm not saying that they weren't different i'm just saying they belonged together they were they were so they played off of each other so well they really did and there was um I've read a couple bits of trivia and everything, and, you know, of course, internet trivia, take it with a grain of salt. Sure. But there's so much about their characters that they developed in kind of their own, whenever they, they announce themselves and they do that little hand on their chest and raise their arm. Yeah. They came up with that amongst themselves because they just, it's just, it felt natural. It seemed right. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like so much of their characters, I think that's exactly how Bill and Ted developed. I don't think there was a, Okay, this is how we want you to play it. I think this is this is the character, and these guys went, "We've got this." <laughs> yeah, it just felt like they they might have instantly become friends, and they just got this. They this is this is how two guys like this were just gonna always hang out. The entire plot, the entire movie, it is absolute nonsense, and I think it's that level of ridiculousness is what makes this movie as kind of like timeless fun as it is. And except for just a few, there's a f one or two moments throughout the film that, yes, 21st century, 2022, you're looking at it going, oh, sorry they use that word, you know, and sorry they, they act that way. Yeah, I had that cringe-worthy moment uh, where, where they referred to uh, when, when they hugged each other and how they chose to refer to one another. Yeah, uh, they, they jump back, and, you know, so it's like that little weird kind of 
homophobic kind of thing setting in, but that was very prevalent in the uh, late 80s, early 90s in, in film and television. So yes, there's just moments like that throughout the film that, uh, you know, other than that, it it is. It's just timeless. It works. It's really kind of a hard thing to put your finger on because any misstep with any of this, and this would have been a terrible film. It, it, mm-hmm. it just would have. It, it, if if the effects had been off just a little, and they weren't, they weren't like the the best that could have been achieved. But it was right for it just it, it, it hit. It was right for what it was. Um, if the acting had been off a little, if these, if it wasn't clear that everybody wasn't having an absolute ball doing this, any little thing goes wrong. It, there's not enough story or script or writing in here that would have would have uh, said, oh, well, you know, we could probably leave out these elements. It's just the right little mix of stuff. It's a little I, bit of magic. I think it helps, too, that our two leads are relatively unknowns. At the time, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. In 1989. Um, Keanu Reeves had obviously, and, and Alex Winter had both done several things uh, prior to this. Um, we, re- we reviewed uh, what was uh, one of Keanu, Babes in Toyland with Keanu <laughs> yes. um, from 86. And yeah, his career goes back to, uh, looks like the mid-80s, 1984. Mm-hmm. Alex Winters goes as far back as 1980. Yep. But at the time in 1989, no one really knew who these guys were. Yeah, there's no household name here. Had this film starred anyone of the time that was recognizable? Um, it was anybody that was from any of the like mid-80s uh, uh teen comedy or teen drama mm-hmm. uh, type film or whatever. It Had this been um, something like Anthony Michael Hall or something mm-hmm. as as Bill, or, it, it wouldn't have worked. I don't think it would have that sort of um, staying power. I think it would have felt dated. It would have had that feel of like um, when, when an actor with any clout looks like they just did something because it got them a payday. Mm. Uh, it it would have had that. Fe- it would have had that feeling because th- this is this has got enough elements to be almost a B movie. I mean, it, sure, it, yeah. It, I mean, there you can make fun of this film all day long, but you're gonna laugh at the, everything that happens in it, and and it's intended to be laughed at. I mean, mm-hmm. the jokes that they tell, you're not feeling bad about laughing at them. They want you to laugh at those moments. You're not laughing because it's terrible. So the it's a couple of goofballs uh, <laughs> doing goofball stuff. It's their caricatures. Yeah, and it helps, too, that these goofballs were in, like, their early 20s at this time, mm-hmm. so they are kind of like, closer to like high school students a lot closer than most actors who portray high school students at this time <laughs> you, you mean Ralph Mar- Macchio in his 60s playing a 16 year old <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing I'm exaggerating but yeah I, I yes exactly the idea that they've gotten way too old a care actor yeah no they're they, they were still kids and if you even got any feel that because they were like early 20s, that they were still in high school, given what they were playing, you might understand. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, these are the guys that maybe have been held back once or twice. Yeah, I think there was lots of summer school. <laughs> these are the guys that are going to the Circle K to ask people about things in history. Uh, I'm going to bring up one thing in this that, that made it kind of fun, too, because the 80s was known... For everything in high school to be all click driven, um, you 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 had your jocks, your nerds, your your, your all that, and this still kind of had them, but that wasn't the point. So even when Bill and Ted were Bill, being Bill and Ted in class, 
or mm. even at the final presentation, we didn't have that any of the animosity that would have normally come up during high school because that wasn't the focus for this. But I love how it got representation, but so much softer. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. That's a thing that I've been observing a lot lately in, in the evolution of stuff, especially with the evolution of just all of us getting older with times changing and all that and having my, my own son go through school. The things that would have uh, uh, been hardcore problem for us in the 80s happily may not be so much of a thing for him now. So when you see even the movies from the 80s represent some of that, when you see them soften it a bit, I, I kind of like it. It makes me feel good. <laughs> I was just looking at the uh, filmography of these two, more of what they did after mm -hmm. uh, the Bill and Ted stuff. Uh, they both did uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, they both went on and they did other uh, other films. They both provided their voices for the animated series, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, yeah. uh, which I uh, honestly kind of almost forgot. <laughs> I, I remember that it existed. I, I, I couldn't tell you anything that happened during any of them. Right. Uh, they both did, uh, of course, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, of course. After that, they both, I think, had a little rough time finding sort of... Well, Keanu did better than uh, Alex Winter as far as finding something a little bit more uh, substantial to do. Keanu went on to uh, you know, My Own Private Idaho, mm -hmm. um, horribly miscast in Bram Stoker's Dracula, but still, he was cast in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Goes up, you know, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, Chain Reaction. He worked and had some, you know, um, even if not as big a success as, like, Bill and Ted, he had success. Alex Winter... I don't feel like had as much luck and I maybe they just had two different agents and one was a little better than the other I don't know I'm curious as to why one had such a harder time finding like the meaningful work or maybe it was just a choice of um, maybe he didn't want to go through all he just wanted to do these pick and choose and smaller things I well and, and as I'm looking through like Alex Winters in particular um, mm-hmm he disappeared behind the camera. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I did see that, that he has a lot of directing credits. Yeah, I mean, according to IMDb, he's got 38 directing credits, which, and, and all of, and some of that starts as early as 1985. So, oh, yeah, good point. So he was already kind of working his way behind the camera before he actually did Bill and Ted. And, yeah, yeah, he was directed a lot of music videos, a few uh, television series, and... Uh, Documentary, so yeah, I guess that's that's probably explains my um, had I actually bothered to click on the uh, on the tab, I would have uh, answered my own question before I posted it. Yeah, so that you saw two people in the entertainment industry just take different routes, and 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 looking at Alex Winter's stuff, uh, he he started that even before he did Bill, right? So so obviously found found a passion somewhere else, and it's just kind of fun. I mean. And all of them are gradual builds. Yeah, I, I withdraw my question. <laughs> he was doing, looks like he was doing exactly what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just you, because you don't see them. You know, you don't right. see them in the limelight. You assume, oh, poor gosh, I wonder what happened to him. You know, but no, he went on and had a successful career <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> right, he's just not doing it in front of the camera. So Right. Not everyone uh, becomes John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and since I met, mentioned John Wick, uh, I, I have seen out there in the universe, uh, someone had proposed at one point that um, John Wick... Oh, I think Wick, I know where you're going. Yep. Yeah, John, John Wick is an alternate universe in which uh, Ted had actually gone to the military school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And therefore was trained to be an assassin and changed his name to keep his family uh, safe. That's awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. And every time now that ever since I heard that particular theory, every time I see uh, his dad barking at him about military school, like somewhere the uh, phone booth broke and he had to go. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Keanu, he has had what looks like a solid career, but just in the last five, ten years, I guess, probably since John Wick, he's had a real big resurgence. Mm-hmm. He keeps coming and going. It feels like you know he does the uh, the Bill and Ted's, and then he sort of fades and does those smaller films. And he has a big hit like The Matrix, yep. and then he kind of like fades and does some films that don't do so well. And then boom, John Wick, mm-hmm. and it he just keeps ebb, ebb and flows, you know, through his career. But he still kind of keeps himself out there and in people's uh, in people's minds. And on on the screen, and then just being apparently a really awesome guy. Yeah, and that that's what's kind of funny, especially given the characters and his acting style, where a lot of times he comes off broody. And, yeah, or aloof, or yes. aloof, or or if you dial it all the way back to Ted, goofy. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem like he'd be the approachable guy. <laughs> but apparently outside of uh, making film, he's absolutely a sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember which film it was now. There was a, a film that um, the whole premise with the idea was like someone was staying and having a party at Keanu Reeves Beach House or something like that. And it apparently really was Keanu Reeves Beach House. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, everything I read and see is just Keanu Reeves is just a really super nice guy. And he he's like, do you think he could come to the Cincinnati Comic Expo? I would love that. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it goes along with the why. Um, more foreshadowing, more foreshadowing, more foreshadowing. So uh, face the music. The fact that he came back in the career True. that he has now with the kind of characters that he plays now that that he would come back and play Ted at this mm-hmm. stage of his life. That's awesome. <laughs> like, and well, I understand he absolutely wanted to do it, too. Like, he yeah. thought that'd be fantastic. It, it's same with Alex Winter. If you think about it now that we're looking, it's like thinking he's been behind the camera, he's been producing, directing, and then they go, oh, yeah, I'll come back and be Bill. <laughs> Which leads back to what we were talking about earlier is that is that chemistry those two clearly hit it off in that and even though uh the the could be skipped bogus journey (laughs) um they still had to have had an amazing time making it (laughs) no i think so i think so yeah the fact that that he'd come back uh, speaking of Keanu, would come back and do this role. I also read that for the longest time he sort of lamented, maybe half-jokingly, that his epitaph, you know, the the thing on his gravestone will be, you know, Keanu Reeves, he was Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he should wear that with honor. <laughs> I, I, I think he probably would at this point. Yeah. I don't think he'd be he'd have a problem with that. No, no. This is just it's just so much fun. This one, the time travel. I mean, we got it's we a time, travel, time travel movie. We got to talk about the time travel. When they're originally putting this thing together, the uh, filmmakers were going to make their time travel device a uh, an old Chevy van. Oh yeah. But but they were afraid it would uh, get too many comparisons to Back to the Future. So they thought they'd steal a phone booth? <laughs> Apparently they figured no one in the United States knew about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's hysterical that they didn't want to go with a vehicle just because of that, and then they went with a a phone booth. Oh, my God. Yes. Am I wrong? Does the time travel work in this? I mean, they obviously not work, work, but I don't think they make any mistakes with the uh, the traveling in time. I mean, they even make a point that they purposely kind of cross paths in the in the timeline, but it makes sense and works. Well, they did establish that um, 
as uh, as Rufus uh, points out, um, time time from them perspective will be constantly moving forward. So uh, essentially, the notion they are aging, so the time in their time is proceeding as normal. So for them, they can't just pop back whenever. They have to. Mm-hmm let time progress it's nice that they built on that although if this is where i probably move away a bit because they did essentially create a, a, a thousand paradoxes there because when when all of their history historical figures end up in jail that entire gag relies on them um failing their their project getting back in the time machine to go get all the things that they need in order to break out that like the gag started early where his Ted's dad can't find the, the, his keys the stolen keys so you're assuming that there has to be a reality that they fail I think it's a it's a whole what did they call that a causality uh, causality loop yeah where they still can go through everything that happens happens and then after they after the adventure after they pass their exam then they go back and do all the steal the keys and and, and drop the uh, garbage can right but, but you have to assume that they were able to pass their their exam without their historical figures um no but they did have their historical figures because they went back in time and stole the keys and 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 did the tape and tricked their dad yes but in order to do that you have to have the first <laughs> pass through the loop do you though See, that's that's the quandary that bugs everyone when, when we talk about temporal mechanics. <laughs> and, and, and I need to go back to my quantum classes to, to to actually sort that out. But at least in in my understanding of it, in, I'm not saying this doesn't work. We're just seeing the end result. But there is a result where they they would have had to have a first pass for this to happen where they would... And I think they even kind of resided on that. Like, they actually said at some point, well, we'll just come back after after class. Um, It doesn't necessarily preclude that they they passed. Like, they could definitely go, miss, come back, do all of those things, and then it said it. And... It's not that they just did it once; they did it multiple times because every time they went back through that 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 um, police department, they ran into another obstacle that required that they do something again. So they they obviously went through a number of iterations. This is a Star Trek episode. Possibly. No, I I don't know. I I think I could see it where they um it all happens once because they experienced it and they went oh okay, well um. We'll go back and we'll steal my dad's keys, and there they are. And as they went through, they realized all the stuff that they were going to have to do in order to get through that situation, and they could just do that all in one, in one go. No, I. Even if they didn't, I I, I liked the, the way that they did it because instead of insisting on showing you them doing it, we just explained that we have a time machine and we can do whatever we want with it. So, as long as they've done those things. <laughs> So even if we're just watching the end of the loop, but again, they they have to, the part you have to always come to is no matter what, no matter whether or not they pass the report or not, they still have to go back and do all those things. Otherwise, those things don't happen. So right. when they took off at the end of the uh, presentation, you have to assume... They dropped everybody back in time and then did all of their errands and then landed again outside of their their garage where they're <laughs> trying to play their instruments that they don't know how to play. Yeah. <laughs> so I love either way, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's and that's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> <laughs> PS duck. <laughs> 
it's so much fun to revisit this film and I, I love that the entire premise is that the future is built upon their music and philosophy of two guys that have no idea almost don't know which end of the guitar to play yeah. it makes you want to see the next film which then then they don't actually explore right and so it makes you want to see the third film <laughs> how does this happen <laughs> yeah like the second film which should have had more to do with them actually becoming a band saves all of that for a gag at the end of the film right so that that's the part that was uh, really weird although without the gag at the end of the film you don't set up face the music decades later I, what what I did kind of get a kick out of, and you need to always have the, did, did the characters learn something? Because at the beginning, we have that fabulous little uh, round that they do where, like, uh, for us to be successful, we need to get Eddie Van Halen. And then they go through right. all the, the steps, but you can't get Eddie until you do that. Yeah, and, and all that. And they almost try to enter into that the next time around when they're hacking away at their guitars and they're not doing well and Ted actually has a mature moment and just says okay we, we need to learn how to play mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like ah oh, growth it wouldn't have been as much fun in the film but we had a lot of fun with them calling all of the uh, historical figures by inaccurate versions of their names. Like yes. The, the most popular. So great. So yeah. yeah. But then when we get to the actual presentation, they do actually state their names correctly. Yeah, they get it all right. And yep. then accurately lay, uh, lay out who they were and what they did. And more to the point, uh, when you're watching all the previous presentations that we get little vibes from, they actually nailed the theme of the project. Yes. <laughs> of which, actually, I don't know that anybody else really did. San Damien's football rules! <laughs> the funny thing is I can even picture sitting in a class where someone may have broken down and done something just like that because they just wanted to be done with their... <laughs> their speech had nothing but uh the 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 final presentation is a fantastic cap to this film oh and and this was what the 80s was really good at yeah i was just thinking you know this is the uh the big concert of revenge of the nerds yes yes any of them where they did that big presentation at the end this this was that all over again but uh yeah no that I mean the fact and the way that it just felt even watching the crowd that their their fellow students the teachers in the back of the room um even when their dads finally show up <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're kind of getting into it and why the hell wouldn't you that was amazing <laughs> i love that there was a standing ovation <laughs> at the end yep. Everyone gets out their lighters, and you know. And if anyone growing up in the '80s knew, if you pulled out your lighter in school, you were about to get your butt kicked out. <laughs> so that was amazing. I loved all of that. Um, I like you know Sigmund Freud, yeah, you know, the psychoanalyzing Bill, yeah, and then he turns to Ted. Do you know? Oh, your turn. No, I'm good. Just a slight edible complex. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then the pan back to... <laughs> yeah, the mom and dad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you find any uh, any reviews for this of the time? Shockingly, no one had anything to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, what was interesting is I go to fi- find uh, articles to read from the day. Um, there was a full article that I couldn't pull up from Entertainment Weekly that uh, said the thing was amazing. They just loved it. Um, but overall, the articles from the time, not super flattering. Interesting. Um, yeah, like, uh, uh, interestingly, out of the Chicago Tribune, um, a, uh, I want to say Joanna Steinmetz uh, writes, it... It helps if you think of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as sort of a Sesame Street for teens. 
<laughs> Beneath the self-aggrandizing plot, the rock music, the dude speak, and the humor lurks a smattering of knowledge. The premise is spectacularly silly, but harmless. Bill and Ted are a couple of woolly-brained teens who spend so much time dreaming about rock band, about the rock band, they're going to start that they they are about to disqualify themselves from a public education. Well, it's a little heady for for that, but that came out of Chicago Tribune. We get uh, one out of Washington Post from a staff writer that's credited. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a dilapidated comedy about two of history's preeminent non-entities. To say that Bill and Ted, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, are underachievers is unfair to all those who actually possess untapped potential. So, wow. yeah, there's a lot, uh, a lot of... Uh, th- this goes with what I even thought of all the time of um, those that wrote reviews in the, in particularly the 80s and the 90s, is they wouldn't just tap themselves into the entertainment of a film. Like, yeah. It, a film always had to be so much more, and if it's not art, it's no, it's crap. Yeah, right. And and, and while yes, uh, in this day and age, we can get pretty hard on some things, but I mean, we want something that entertains as well as makes you think. This is not the thinking man's movie. This is just straight up silly entertainment, and it works. <laughs> There's no point in which you don't kind of sit there with a smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah, no, it works for me. And I I'm, I guess I'm not terribly surprised that critics of the time mm-hmm. maybe have panned it. Um, obviously, but the critics aren't the ones that aren't the ones that fill the seats and uh, pay the ticket prices. Yeah, when it when it made four times its, uh, its budget, uh, its yeah. budget uh, the critics can go suck it i mean <laughs> spawn spawned a sequel spawned an animated series uh spawned a serial <laughs> <laughs> right that, that's an awful lot for something that was supposedly not that good i don't know is there anything else we need to say about the bill and ted's excellent adventure other than saying that we are not gonna review the sequel <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we're not going to review the sequel because eh, I think we've already commented that how we feel about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I the the scenes with death kind of make They're the fun. movie. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's only a small part of it. And then as soon as we're out of the uh, realm of death, it all goes downhill from there. Any comments or thoughts on this? Or if you liked the sequel, if you liked Bill and Ted's bogus journey, man, let us know and let us know why. Send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com or come onto the Facebook group or any of the socials. Just follow the link in the show notes. Going to be a lot of links in the show notes this week. Thank you very much. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! (laughs) 